0: Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Becca Wilson, the founder of the successful dog walking and pet sitting franchise, Friends for Pets. So Friends for Pets was established in 2008 and began franchising their successful business model in 2010 after a flurry of um, interest from their clients. They now have over 14 franchisees covering 18 locations across the southwest region of the UK. Uh, And what they've been doing really is helping pet owners to have the freedom to travel and do what they need to do away from home without compromising on the well-being of their pets. So before we jump into this interview, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsors for this episode, Symphony. So Symphony is an outsourced customer support service for franchisors, franchisees, and other businesses, allowing you to focus on growing your business while they take care of your calls, emails, and web chats. Basically, they're there to help you and your business respond to customers and clients at the point where they're most interested in your product or service, even if you're not available or you're busy working for another client. So, by letting Symphony take the strain, their team of customer service experts will respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. Their expertly trained team provides live chats, email response, social media management, and phone call handling 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. To find more about Symphony and their services for franchisees and franchisors, make sure you visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised all right so let's jump into this interview then with becca wilson the founder of friends for pets i'm going to try and find out why someone would invest in a dog walking franchise rather than start starting out on their own it on the outside it feels like a fairly simple business to start right you, you kind of tend to think maybe uh something somebody quite young could could do after school or while that whilst they're at school so i want to find out um, how and why this can become a successful business and why why go for a franchise rather than doing it on your own. Um, I also want to find out what their plans are for the future as well. Um, I've got a feeling Southwest is, is just the beginning of the things really for them. So here we go. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll catch you on the other side. So, Becca Wilson welcome to the disenfranchised how are you doing today
1: all right thank you thanks for having me on
0: good it's good to uh good to see you and um I think um I hadn't found your your brand before so it was a pleasant surprise when I think you or your colleague um reached out to me and said um you know hello and can we come on the podcast and then I I I take a look at your business and I mean, you, you're all over the southwest, aren't you? You've completely <laughs> <Yeah>. covered it. <laughs> yeah, we're
1: pretty big down here. Um, sort of down in sort of Somerset, South Gloucestershire. Um We want to sort of go down a little bit further, sort of down towards Devon and Dorset and Cornwall as well. So it's kind of, and then we'll be, you know, dominating the southwest, which is ace. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. But I, I love it this uh this industry because I find kind of. Uh, uh, little gems of franchises like yours that are, you know, slowly taking over the country without um, without too many people noticing at the moment, but I'm sure they will at some point. So um, oh. <laughs> anyway, before we before we sort of get into to that business and finding out a little bit more about it, let's um, let's start in the same place I do with everybody, and that's to find out what your first job was.
1: So my first job, it's a bit of a weird one, actually, because um, I, I always wanted to work with horses growing up. Um, so it sort, of, it sort of led on from that. And everybody said to me, oh, you can't work with horses. If you fall off and you break yourself, then you will. That's career over. So I went and did uh, my bachelor's in neuroscience, so brain science. It's as difficult as it sounds. And um, then went on. I was still like, I really want to do horses, really want to do horses. Um, and then so I went and did a master's in equine science. And as part of that, I had to do a dissertation. Um, so a big research project. And growing up, I used to help the head of vet nursing at Bristol Vet School um, look after her animals and her horses. And so I emailed her and I said, oh, have you got any contacts with um, like any projects that are going on? What, you know, can you put me in touch? I could be a research assistant for somebody. So she passed me around and I ended up being called in to the vet school and they said, "Um, yeah, could you come and help us on a research project? And I said, yeah, of course, that'll be fine. And they said, it's in Pakistan. Um, We're leaving in two weeks. And I was like, Oh, this is quite big. Um, And I wasn't actually living down here at the time. I was living over near Reading. And so I had to move myself back, my horse back, and then I off I went to Pakistan. And then so I finished that. And then so my actual first proper job was um they asked me to stay on as um a researcher for one of their projects. So I was a behavior and welfare researcher in Pakistan was my first job. So that was a bit of a, a random I mean, one.
0: That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it beats it beats the paperboy that most other people yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like in Pakistan because um it's quite a, a far removed culture for most people in the UK isn't it really yeah
1: so it was it was it was quite a while ago now um and at the time it was it, it was quite different so I did some work over on the east side so so over near India and that was a bit I felt a bit more comfortable over there um And, you know, it was amazing. The culture was brilliant. Over on the west side, it was, I think I preferred the west side actually sort of on the Afghan border. Um, However, it was, it was sometimes frowned upon to have a woman, a white woman, out sort of doing sort of western medicine and helping the animals out there. So it was, it was a little bit more difficult. However, I absolutely loved the country. The people were incredible. It was, yeah, it was, it, it was an experience. And when I sort of tell people about it now, it feels like another lifetime ago. It was, but yeah, it was amazing, and it, was, it'll stay with me forever. That experience.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool. And it, it, horses isn't a thing I really associate necessarily with um, Pakistan, but it is Afghanistan. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? That so is, the two I mean, are so close. There,
1: yeah over there and especially in the sort of developing countries so horses and donkeys and mules are the main form of transport so it was the working equines that i was working with so some of them would be out sort of all day you know 12 hours a day hammering up with these little carts down the streets because they're sort of keeping big families alive Um, and the families are bigger usually than over here so it's kind of actually, if you've got a family with five or six children, the horse eats last. Um, and so, actually, the welfare conditions, it wasn't necessarily, there wasn't any big sort of cruelty, I'd say, but I would say a lack of education and a lack of money um, and sort of disease and things. It was, that was what caused the welfare issues over there. So, it's sort of slightly different to what we see over here with welfare.
0: Yeah, wow. So, and you followed that up with um, an office job, was it, at the end of the day?
1: (laughs) So um, when I was out there, the last trip that I did out there, because I sort of, come back and forth the last trip that I did out there um it was around the time where they had they had a lot of problems with suicide bombers and the hotel where I used to stay actually we used to think it was quite safe because we'd have like the mirrors under the cars checking and then um sort of go through sort of almost airport security going in so you felt quite safe in the hotel but actually a suicide bomber ended up killing the people who did the mirrors and then walking into the foyer and blowing himself up. So the foreign office sort of changed their guidance and it was a bit like, actually, uh, probably now is not a good time to go back. So I did a bit of tutoring with the vet school students and also got a lecturing job as well. And then at the same time as that, started doing some pet sitting and then Friends for Pets was born. So that is, um, that's <laughs> the story.
0: Cut. Cool. So how- you said that quite blase, pet sitting. How did you kind of do that? Was that something that just one of your friends and family said, hey, could you look after our dog? Or was this something you consciously went out there and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's start a business in this area?
1: Well, no, it was completely accidental. The whole, My whole story is accidental. <laughs> so um, I wanted something. So I had quite a few horses by this point and I was doing my lecturing job and So I wanted something else that sort of fitted around both of those things, which was quite flexible, but something that I loved as well. So I started doing a little bit of dog walking, um, some pet sitting, and it just sort of grew from there, really. And then sort of we made it into a proper business. Then I had way too much work for myself. So just from word of mouth, it was sort of pre-social media kicking off and we didn't have a website. It was just sort of word of mouth and a few posters around the place. And... I had to then recruit some pet carers to help me. And we ended up with about 85 pet carers, I think, sort of back by 2010, sort of 18 months after starting. And then it was like, actually, this is running me now. I I finished the lecturing because I didn't have time to do it. Um, And that's when I sort of got into the franchising.
0: Yeah. Okay. So 2008 is when you started the business then.
1: Yeah, and then I was <laughs> overloaded by 2010.
0: Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think your, your business took off so quickly? Was there other services around offering the same there at, that, were, at that time?
1: There was not a lot of other services around. It's become a lot more popular since then, The industry has changed hugely in that time. Um, I think it was our reputation. We just, we you know, we really, we lived and breathed it. And I think that was what it was it was sort of we offered such a good service that that is why we grew so fast and I think that's going forwards how I found with my franchisees it's so much more about finding the right people to help us and the people that have got the same ethos as me and so that we are able to continue doing it and we were able to do it in a sort of wider area
0: so T- tell me what's the difference then between um, other services that are out there at that time? Because I, I-, I want to kind of try and identify why it was so successful so quickly.
1: <laughs> um, I think a lot of people just see it as a job. Um, and I think like dog walking has a sort of, if you have a, like a, a magazine article that says oh how to make money on the side or something dog walking is always in there but actually when you're managing different groups of dogs and you're having to match those groups of dogs and you have to do it at certain times because the owners are out at certain times when you're having to do it in all sorts of weathers it's not just nice sunny breezy days and sort of managing now we've got extreme heat to be managing and sort of, you know, horizontal rain and wind some days. I think offering the same service and putting the dogs first and every, each dog first, it's not just, you know, it's not about the money for us. Um, and I think that's sort of where it was. And weirdly, I always say to people when they're sort of coming on board, you know, the money's important, but the, the more about the animals you are, the more money you make. Um, and the more about the money you are, weirdly, the less money you make.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So that's yeah. what you were doing from the early days. Then you were, yeah. I, I guess, with your background in animal welfare, you're kind of bringing that into yeah. that kind of service, which yeah. perhaps was different to other people at the time, which is... yeah.
1: It, yeah,
0: it's cool. So when when you say a proper business, then what, <laughs> what what's a proper business to you? Because, you right. know, for everybody is different, right? In, yeah, in, So in I mind. think
1: for us, it was actually having a business plan, I found my first business plan. And it was I had to do it. And sort of my overheads in my first year, I'd sort of planned and I was like, I think they're going to be about 200 pounds. So that's what I have to make and anyway set it up did it i made that in my first week and i was like oh i've broken even brilliant and actually what we then went on to make it was you know it was a little bit more than that so it was yeah it was it was good um and i think sort of getting it all you know getting it set up getting it registered in it's uh, what what i learned in those early days and you know i keep learning i'm learning all the time um it really helps set it up. And I think I set up new franchises um, and we've obviously done it It, when, in those early days when I was growing, I was also sort of not only in sort of the rural areas sort of where I am, but we were sort of up in Bristol and up in Bath as well. So I was, uh, how we set up and how a pet care company is set up, it's slightly, it runs and is set up slightly differently in a rural area than it is in a city. Um, so actually it was easy then and it's it become easy easier to apply depending on sort of the territories and what settlements we've got in the territories that we're setting up in
0: so what, what was the biggest challenge for you because um i'm 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 gonna be really kind of cynical and and think like a lot of people perhaps will do here but it, it seems like the type of business that's quite easy to set up right that's what a lot of people will be yeah. thinking is you yeah. just put some adverts out there and go and get some um, some clients look after their dogs or pets or whatever it may be and and then if you're lucky magically 18 months later you've got a, a massive business right yeah so and what, what's, I think, what's, the, what's the biggest challenges for you I guess
1: I think the biggest challenge is for us we don't tend to have a lot of problems with the animals Um, So it tends to be like in the recent days, it tends to be recruitment of pet carers to help us. Um, Getting staff is really good. Um, It's like, you know, getting good staff has been much more difficult in the like probably the last year than it has been since we started. Um, It has become a bit easier now. Um, I think having having a good team on board is what helps because a one-man band doing it themselves will have um holidays they'll be ill they potentially will give up we've seen we see so many come and go like one-man bands um there's some brilliant ones that stay um but it is it is a tougher business than people think um and I think when you're You're reading a article that says, oh, yeah, start the dog walking business. Brilliant thing. Actually, it's more difficult um, than you realise. There's a lot more paperwork to it. It's a lot more businessy than people realise. There's, uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that can go wrong. It's a big responsibility looking after people's pets. And I think that is what people don't realise.
0: Yeah, I think that's the same of anything that looks simple on the outside. It's because there's been a lot of work on the in the background, isn't there, to get it yeah. to that point where it's a simple service for yeah. for the customers and clients. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense. So, okay, so uh, you, you mentioned then in 2010 you started franchise, did you?
1: Yeah, so I I was a bit like, oh, what do I do? And I was speaking to my granddad about it, and he introduced me. He knew the local McDonald's franchisee. And he said, oh, I'll set up a meeting because I was thinking, oh, McDonald's is the franchise. You know, there isn't any other franchises. Um, <laughs> so I went and spoke to the local McDonald's franchisee and he was brilliant. And he said he basically sold franchising to me and said, you know, this is how it works. This is I mean, McDonald's is the ultimate. But it is it, he introduced me to how it worked The benefits of doing it, how and I could see that as a franchisee rather than a franchisor, he was so passionate about it. And I thought, actually, this is like this could really work and this would work as a model for me. Um, So I got in touch with the Franchising Development Centre and I used them to sort of help me and guide me through the setup because I obviously just was winging it as a business person and I was a scientist. So they sort of showed me the way forward and we created a little path. Um, I had a couple of franchise uh, pet carers um, in Bristol and Bath who... I working really hard and doing a really good job and actually I gave them my pilot franchises um, and then one of them still with me on her third term bless her Um, (laughs) and um, we yeah and so we went for it like that so we sort of all learned together um, and then we've gone like that since Um, so I've sort of grown it very steadily and organically I've had two children in between that time and now um, and we have yeah when the right people come, we've sort of taken them on um as franchisees so yeah
0: cool so your 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 franchisees then are they still out there walking the dogs or are they uh, Some are. more management sort of based? yeah
1: mo they're more management, but they do do a little bit of the dogs as well because and I do still um and I think it really helps just to it helps you remember like why you started and it gives you that little passion. And that's the nice bit of the job as well, um, the animals. So it's, I think it really helps just doing a little bit. Some prefer to do a lot more. So it's kind of, it depends on what they would like to do
0: yeah so it's pretty flexible then it's not all of their times taken up managing no
1: um,
0: the the other pet carers they can still get involved in that that original passion even when they're kind of growing as a a business because I I imagine some of your uh, franchisees have have built up big businesses and have they taken on separate territories or additional territories now
1: we've got we've got a couple that have got like multi-units now as well um so you know and to do that when we've it seems to be quite a big thing that people at our, our franchisees do and so we once they've built up the original franchise really well we tend to say you know the neighboring one is available or sort of an early neighboring one is available would you like this one because actually if they've proven to us that they can do it and build a really good business then we obviously we want those people on board to sort of help us sort of to grow it further
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's really it's really um, good, especially when a brand's sort of growing there's there's opportunity isn't there for somebody just to take on one territory, they can then grow out and what sort of size is the territory like? um, It's difficult to kind of quantify that but in terms of like potential clients, I guess.
1: Yeah, so we tend to try and have about 60,000 houses, sort of, that's as a guide. However, we'll sort of, when we're doing the planning of the territories, we'll sort of look at other things. So sort of demographics and kind of if there's stuff being built at the time or, you know, like houses being built at the time and things like that. So, and it really, and also kind of like the density of the population as well. So, but as a guide, that's what we sort of tend to say.
0: OK, that's cool. And um, the services, have they changed over the years? Is it still dog walking or, or what What does the business look like now?
1: Yeah, so we do like dog walking um, and we'll sort of tailor that to our clients. Over COVID, we tweaked it a little bit um, to do sort of more adventure days and sort of targeting people that were wor- working at home but just wanted a little break from their dog um, there was a lot of puppies that arrived in COVID um, yeah. who became teenagers without training, so <laughs> we stepped in and helped a little bit there. Um, we also do doggy daycare, home boarding, um, cat visits. So as an alternative for cats going into catteries, we'll go in, but it means we can sort of move posts and open and shut curtains and stuff and things like that. So just to make sure, like, look like somebody's there. We also do sort of. Snake visits we've done, um, we do sort of small holdings. So we've had like pigs, horses, donkeys, chickens, ducks, you name it, we've done it really. It's a very domestic animal. Um so yeah, we do all sorts of things. The um uh, the So in 2018, there was um, some new legislation was brought in um, for home boarders and sort of doggy daycare centres. And it's also sort of kennels and catteries and things, but sort of a bit different from us. um, That has sort of changed a little bit how we're operating in England. So Wales is still the same as it is a devolved policy, animal health and welfare now, Um, but um the english territory the english franchises we're sort of we've been sort of we've worked quite hard and we're working to set different things up there to um, fit the new regulations
0: okay cool so um your your franchisees then and, and perhaps you in the past must have then got quite integrated into the local communities right because you're, you're kind of supporting just about anybody and everybody who's got a pet right it doesn't matter Yeah. What industry they're in, what sector they're in it's you kind of covering everything. So you, you probably get to know the local community pretty well. So do you guys do anything to give back to the local communities or?
1: Yeah. So we have we did. We do. We do all sorts of things. So like not only do you sort of become part of people's families. So I've been to sort of weddings christenings funerals of our clients um we do we do do like a few little charity events and sponsorships and stuff but we also do run this campaign called Poop patrol um, which is where we um we go and collect sort of like just sort of an hour a week um go and collect like poos that people haven't picked up or like where people have picked up and then thrown their poo bag in the hedge or a tree rather than like put it in the bin or take it home with them. Um, So just sort of keep our communities a bit cleaner. Um, very weirdly the BBC picked this up earlier this year so um, (laughs) we've been on the BBC to talk about dog food which is brilliant from our Brecon franchise (laughs) so sort of our claim to fame really like dog food so (laughs) it's
0: it's good though isn't it because you don't see the council out there necessarily picking up those back I know know exactly what you mean it's the we see him sort of when we go for a walk through the forest or something, there's somebody's tied uh, the poo up in a little bag and then hung it on the tree. And you're like, yeah, yeah,
1: you just,
0: you know, carry it with you a few more meters and take
1: it home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what we've been doing. And so, um, it's, it's quite nice and it sort of helps tidy up the community a bit. Um, and I think also makes people aware because we've sort of, we come up with sort of 80 bags at a time. Um, some on some of the poo patrols that we do and sort of just the one poo bag that's left suddenly you know if 80 people did that then that's what we create is this mass poo bag so, so, <laughs> so <yes. laughs> dog poo is like our way forward we're the poo ladies
0: it's <laughs> cool you do, you're doing something for the community aren't you because uh, <laughs> if you're not doing it it's going to sit there so um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's good stuff um but um so you've been in the the pet industry now really for 14 years yeah uh, it'd be interesting to find out what you think has changed over that time has there been anything significant you know within that industry or is it pretty much the same just increased or decreased in the number of pets that are in the UK yeah I mean I thought. Think-
1: I think when we first started, there wasn't a lot of competitors around. I think now it's inundated and we're inundated with an industry that's actually not very regulated. Um, So dog walkers are not regulated at all. So some dog walkers don't have insurance. They don't have um, DBS checks. They're not qualified. They haven't got any sort of pet first aid training. So it's sort of anybody could do it. We have had the new legislation that's come in in 2018. And so this is just to tighten up um, home borders. So meaning that actually, if you are sending your dog to a home border, um, so that's sort of going for your dog to go and stay in somebody's house, they need to have a license to be able to do that. And they would be able to show you that license if you're sending the dog to their house. So always check if you're using that sort of service that somebody's got a license And the license is with the local authority. So we helped um, develop this and I went down to the House of Commons um, when this was sort of being put together. Um, And I've reviewed the sort of the updates that are coming out hopefully next year um, as well for sort of franchising, for the franchise setup and for the higher standards as well. So hopefully, um, you know, it is still evolving, this legislation, but hopefully it will be sort of much more improved um, on the next outlet but it does mean that sort of standards are being tightened and it's sort of I guess it's the same as like with children going to school you would sort of look at Ofsted reports and things like that and you'd want the school to be regulated and your child care to be regulated so why not for the dog as well so and the pet because you know I've heard a few horror stories in my time about unlicensed borders and things um so yeah so that's that's the big things i think that have changed and then hopefully we'll continue once this is sort of a bit more settled we'll be able to get some dog walker regulations in
0: yeah it's i guess it's difficult to do that though isn't there because um there will be a, a 17 year old out there trying to make some a few quid you know while they're studying won't they and yeah, yeah. You then putting up heavy regulations that kind of shuts that out for them but yeah, you know for the welfare of the pets it's it makes sense yeah. right so it's yeah, uh, yeah. I can see I can see why it's not been sort of for, pushed forwards very quickly but I also think, I can yeah. see why it's it's important um, yeah
1: I think it's a hard thing to regulate um but it is it, it is important um and I think especially for the sort of home boarding side of things yeah. because that is people's homes and you know potentially, dogs could escape from gardens if the gardens aren't secure enough or like fall in a pond or you know get into sort of kitchen cupboards which have got sort of poisonous chemicals in or something like that so it is it's really important that actually there is some sort of regulation.
0: So just to be clear when you say home boarding do you mean uh, if I opened up my home to other dogs to come and stay in my house for you know a one-on-one kind of personalized service rather than uh, kennels or something like this is that right
1: yeah so that would be it so you would need to apply to your local authority um and they would come around have an inspection you have to have lots of paperwork to do you have to have all your policies procedures all of the contracts with the clients sorted for that so that is that's what you'd have to put in place and then they would give you a license if you sort of were there and met all of their criteria so that's part of the franchise thing as well is that actually you get that you just get a big package of it um and that's sort of one of the benefits of going through a franchise to be able to help you set up with that
0: i was, I was gonna say I, I don't think i could be bothered with all that so that's no. probably why i would buy into a franchise it seems like too much hard work all that paperwork <laughs> stuff so I, I completely get why the the franchise exists really big or the you know you're giving people the ability to start this business but in a a much more structured and um you know uh regulated way i guess you know to protect themselves in the long run um so that's that's really cool and and what's the future for the brand and what are your kind of plans for for perhaps growth or or additional services
1: yeah i mean probably not additional services because we have quite a wide range of services anyway but i do i would love to sort of go sort of further over and fill in the gaps in England and Wales so that's what I'd love to do sort of in the future um but again it's just it's finding the right people to do it um who've got the sort of same passion and ethos as us
0: yeah you, you mentioned it a couple of times now that it's the finding the right people you're not it yeah doesn't I'm sound like your numbers driven <laughs> and just about the money it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh what what does the ideal person look like then
1: so I think it's somebody that puts animal welfare at their first and foremost sort of operation so that's the most important thing that they'll put into their work and they'll be looking for teams of pet carers that do that as well um I think somebody that can work as a team um as well as sort of independently um somebody that you know we gel with as a head office team as well um because I think that's really important um And I think you get a good gut feeling. I've done it long enough now to know, I think, it's just, you know, are they going to be right for us? And I think one of the things, especially with pet carers, it is actually if I was a client, what would I think of this person if they were coming to look after my pet? And I'm really picky, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if they meet, meet that criteria that's then fair that's enough. <laughs>
0: <forward>. <laughs> yeah cool so how, how many franchisees do you have now
1: so we've got 18 territories and 14 franchisees so we've got a couple okay. of multi-unit franchisees
0: yeah cool is there an ideal number you'd like to grow to or are you just oh, I'd love step by step. to double that. I'd
1: love to double that, but I don't know if you know. Hopefully, if we can find the right people, we'll be able to do that sort of over the next decade or so.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, hopefully, you'll be able to get there soon. And um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting learning about um, your business, and yeah, it's given me a different kind of spin on what, what what's actually involved in um, running a dog walking business. Because yeah, I might have been one of these ignorant people, I guess, who just kind of thought. <laughs> isn't it easy (laughs) to set this up, (laughs) but yeah, I guess there's a, there's a lot more paperwork to it and, um, it's the processes. It's like any of these franchises that I speak to, I guess, really. Um, the the actual service part is almost the easier part of it, right? It's the the other stuff to make it successful, which is, is uh, where you guys come in. So that's really cool. But, um, I've got um, three questions I wanted to ask you, (laughs) um, before we wrap up. So, The first one is, um, I'd love to hear if you've got any funny, strange or weird stories that um, you're happy to share with us. And I've I've got a feeling there's going to be a good one here because... (laughs) You have good background and you're working with animals, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I think, well, other than sort of being the famous BBC dog poo lady, yeah. I think yeah. um, probably one of the best bits was um, I was taken down by a police dog once, um, okay. <laughs> rest to on the floor, but not because I was being naughty. That was because we were, um, for our 10th birthday, um, we were doing a police dog display, and so I was the <laughs> lady that got taken down. So I was running up the field and then... I've never been like taken down by a dog properly before and this was like there's so much force I was like quite surprised. So, but yeah, he was he was very well trained and let me go straight away. Bless him, thank goodness.
0: Did you volunteer to do that or
1: yeah, um... I did. I wanted to have a go because I'd always seen these dogs do this and I thought, oh yeah, it'd be fine. I, I won't be on the floor. And now I was just on the floor. <laughs> so very I, strong. I,
0: I, it, yeah, it must be pretty awesome. Like um Exhilarating experience. Uh, t- t- can people pay to do that? I'm just wondering. Like, is that? <laughs> oh,
1: no, I think you probably you could maybe like ask a dog, a police dog trainer. Potentially, <laughs> they might want some victims as volunteers. Just wondering if it's an additional service. No, I don't know if it in the general public's dogs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, of course not. But uh, yeah, wow, what an experience. That must have been. Yeah. Um... Yeah yeah i think scary i think scary to see honestly. yeah
1: i don't know about that but there was a lot of people laughing at me so <laughs> 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 we won't have a video after this
0: <laughs> <laughs> excellent so um my next question then is um so you've you've had your business for a while now but um you, you can include before then if you want to but um what's been the most proud or the most inspiring inspiring moment in your career
1: Um, I think we've won quite a lot of awards and we've sort of been finalists in quite a lot of awards. Um, so that's obviously makes me incredibly proud. Um, however, I think it's my franchisees and each and every one of them I'm so proud of. And I think when they first start, they're sort of, they come from a variety of backgrounds, um, but they come slightly unconfident slightly not really knowing how to do it um and not really knowing where you know how to get to their goal and how to make a successful business and then over the time they sort of and it's it happens quite quickly now um and they just become these super duper business pros and it's like just yeah so it's I think it's my franchisees that I'm most proud of
0: oh, that's awesome that's good to hear and um I feel like you've got a pretty good connection with them all uh if you're yeah. if you're spending that much time being uh what, what did you say picky I think about who you bring yeah. on board. <laughs> you're going to want to connect with them aren't you and support yeah. every every single yeah. one um yeah one-on-one i guess in in many ways but how big is your team by the way that support the the franchisees
1: so we've got three of us in the head office so including me so it's a small team but we're pretty mighty so
0: (laughs) excellent but yeah Um, it gets that um personalized service from from people that actually have run this business and know what they're doing so yeah i think that's really good yeah awesome so um final question before i let you go is um I want you to kind of imagine you're speaking to somebody who's potentially about to invest in a franchise business um, and you've only got one piece of advice you're allowed to give to them. What would that one piece of advice be?
1: Um, I think it would be to believe in your dreams and follow your dreams um, and do what you love for sure. But follow your head and join a franchise. (laughs)
0: join a franchise excellent I like that
1: Um, I just think you know you get the support you get you get the benefits and you kind of uh, people sort of worry about initial fees but actually when you break down what the initial fee to a franchisor is they don't really make any profit on it so you'd have to spend that money anyway making yourself making a, a really successful and resilient business yourself so I think yeah I'd always say join a
0: franchise. (laughs) Excellent. I I think um, I agree and disagree with you in some ways on that, just because I think some people aren't suited to following other people's structures. I think you've got to kind of be not obedient. That's not the word, is it? (laughs) But, you know, willing to follow, um, follow a map. Yeah. And be guided. Yeah. I, I don't think everyone's in that, that, that frame of mind you know when they're they're looking to start their own business necessarily but uh the bit about the franchise fees i i come to the realization that actually if you go out there and pay for individual training courses and then to kind of compile all that money together you're probably looking at the same amount of money and probably less and they don't tie into one another the softwares that you pay out for and stuff like that don't all tie in whereas in a franchise it's it's all knitted together nicely for you, so yeah. I think everybody should consider it at the very least. That's that's my opinion anyway. But uh, <laughs> brilliant. Well, Becca, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a, a real pleasure getting to know you better and your your business. So um, thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, have a have a good one.
1: Brilliant. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, so there we go. That was my conversation with Becca Wilson, the founder of Friends for Pets, and I think I learned a little bit there, um, especially about dog walking franchises and pet sitting. Yes, a lot more regulations and paperwork than I kind of imagined, I guess. And um, and I think it's it's peace of mind buying into a franchise like theirs i think is the the key really um but also just the, they've got a process that's that's working for them right so they know how to develop clients in the area they know how to provide uh the right level of care how to organize it um i feel like that could be something that's a bit of a challenge as well Is you know she said about 85 uh, pet carers at one point in a territory that's 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 a lot of people to kind of manage and coordinate so um, tapping into the experience of a, a, a brand like this that's been around for a, you know uh, almost since the kind of inception of the idea really um, I guess there's been people before 2008 There were sort of running pet pet sitting businesses or, or dog walking businesses but probably not the scale that they are so um, yeah I can see the real value in, in kind of investing in a brand like that um, the point at the end there as well was interesting to to hear sort of becca's thoughts on that i know i kind of challenged her a little bit but i think it's important to kind of see both sides of, of any bit of advice really um and, and look at things from from different angles so um yeah hopefully you've you found the interview useful and found something um uh, interesting from there if if not useful but um thank you very much for for listening I appreciate every single Um, person who who listens to these podcasts and finds value in them we obviously have plenty of others I think this is episode number 74 so plenty more to go back through and and take a listen to Um, you can find all of them on the, the thefranchise.com so www.thefranchise.com or if you search uh the disenfranchised on spotify youtube or or anywhere else like that you'll be able to find videos and, and audio versions of this episode and all the previous ones as well so hit subscribe and you'll also get updated with all the latest episodes um final shout out goes to our sponsors for the episode symphony so make sure you contact those guys for any of your lead capture um, needs, so making sure you don't miss out on any opportunities, even when you're working with another client, maybe, or are unavailable for whatever reason. And um, yeah, thanks very much for your support. Hope you enjoy uh, these podcasts, and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye.